Hello everyone, my name is Lucia Chachulovic and coming up on the show today we have Tim Gege for an update on currencies and Manuel Villegas on what's happening in the world of crypto. But first let's see what has happened in the markets. Starting off with some good news, US shares posted their first gain of December yesterday. The S&P 500 gained 0.75%, the Dow increased 0.55% and the Nasdaq had the strongest performance of the day, rallying 1.1%. But even with yesterday's gains, all three major averages are on track to post losses for the week. Next, investors are awaiting today's release of the November Producer Price Index report in the US, which will give further information about how the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes are working to tame high inflation. Economists expect that wholesale prices ticked up slightly in November, in line with the pace of the previous month. Over in Asia, China is seeing COVID infections start to pick up rapidly as zero-tolerance curbs are relaxed. Despite the fear of soaring case numbers, outgoing Premier Li Keqiang said that the country's economic growth will keep picking up as new COVID control policies are implemented. And sticking with China, China's Consumer Price Index rose 1.6% in November on an annualized basis, while its Producer Price Index fell 1.3%. Both numbers came in roughly in line with expectations. Asian stocks are up today with a benchmark of Asian equities headed for a sixth weekly gain, the longest such stretch in two years. And Chinese property shares extend the gains on expectations of more government support. In Europe, Eurozone government bond yields ranged just above their lowest levels for months as investors look toward the European Central Bank's policy meeting next week. Inflation in the bloc is close to its peak, Reuters reported, citing comments made by ECB officials this week, which has heightened expectations of a slowdown in interest rate hikes. Elsewhere in markets, oil is up today while heading for a weekly drop of more than 10% after volatile session yesterday, and gold advances for a fourth day today. In company news, the US Federal Trade Commission is seeking to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, saying the tie-up between the two companies would harm competition. Now, what can we expect for the day ahead? European shares are on course to follow their Asian and US peers higher. And as mentioned earlier, today we will get the latest US producer price data, which, along with the University of Michigan's consumer sentiment report, will be among the last data that US Federal Reserve policymakers will see before their December meeting. And that's all for the markets wrap up. Now, taking a closer look at currencies and metals. Tim, what do you see moving the markets currently? Yeah, good morning. Uh, thank you very much. I'm a little less prepared than uh, than usual because uh, uh, despite the blizzard acquisition being blocked, we have an actual blizzard of snow here in Geneva. So I will keep it fairly short. I probably was going to anyway, because actually with the raft of central bank meetings coming up next week, it's quite difficult to know what you can really say. Obviously, next week we have the Fed, the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, the Swiss National Bank, and I'm sure I've missed one or two others. We already had the Bank of Canada this week who hiked rates. We, I might have expected a little bit more of a dollar correction this week ahead of such um, big moves, especially in the light of uh, the employment data and, uh, and CPI data that we had uh, last week or the start of this week, where it kind of felt like maybe we got some slightly more positive US uh, dollar news. But interestingly, even on that, we are right now pretty much back to the recent highs in euro dollar, just below 106, cable 1 to 22 and a half. And generally speaking, there's not a lot of interest in buying dollars, which I find quite intriguing. You never really know what's going to come out of such a big event, uh, especially towards the end of the year, as we have next week. But nonetheless, this 
action of this week reinforces again my personal view that there is more dollar weakness to come. I still think in euro dollar we can see 110, perhaps not this year, but that's what we're going to see. Cable 130, these are still levels that for me are very much reachable. Of course, it is uh, frustrating for some I know who perhaps thought about hedging some dollar exposure last month. And yes, it's less of an open goal than perhaps it might have been with the benefit of uh, 30 days of hindsight. But uh, it's not necessarily too late. And if you're very heavily exposed to dollars, it might be worth still thinking about reducing somewhat that exposure. Having said that, equally ahead of such a, a big unknown uh, as all the meetings of next week, taking some gains on dollar shorts for those people who got in really early and have been patient so far could make sense. I'd also look at doing that via perhaps a derivative or reverse convertible to accumulate it depending on the size of the position to reduce rather than necessarily deciding to, to throw in the towel. And I would still prefer to be either flat or, or core short dollars going into the meeting. I'd be very careful about being fundamentally long dollars or more long dollars going into the meetings because I think that there is still the risk that we have another round of year end. I can't remember if I said this last week because I didn't have time to check my notes, but do bear in mind that euro dollar here is only 200 and something points above the absolute low 2016 when Trump was elected, which at the time seemed astounding and everyone was panicking about parity. We've seen parity. I just don't think we're going to see it again, but there is still plenty of room for the dollar to soften from these levels. As indeed we heard earlier, we have a PPI in the US coming out. I guess that will be important if it's very different from what expectations are. I think it might generate a little bit of volatility, but I'm not sure it's going to change a huge amount unless it comes in way above or way below expectations. The focus now is absolutely and quite correctly on the Fed and then their, uh, the Bank of England and the European Central Bank mainly the following day next week. So with that, I leave you and I wish you an excellent weekend. Thanks very much. Thank you, Tim. I'm glad you made it to the podcast this morning, despite the snowstorm. And now moving on to crypto. Manuel, what are the main stories there? Thank you so much, Lucia. Good morning, everyone. And recent events in crypto, recent bottom-up events have left us with a rather bittersweet aftertaste. So let's dive into Bitcoin on-chain activity to word off. Despite recent events, new addresses have been steadily increasing in the past month with long-term holders apparently accumulating more Bitcoins than ever. Retail-sized wallets representing a larger share of the holder distribution. On a longer-term view, these factors could be associated with a healthier network. However, it is important to mention that caution and fears of further contagion prevail in the market, and that several, factors are, several actors are facing liquidity issues a fact that could play a deterministic role in the short-term price action of Bitcoin. We consider that the wounds from recent events will take more time to heal, thus supporting that a short-term rebound remains unlikely. The aftermath of events following FTX collapse has not ceased to amaze us, and with that, the degree of entanglement. Negativity is widespread, but Bitcoin holder behavior showcases a rather interesting scenario. The number of new addresses has been increasing at a steady pace. The figure was over 13 million for the month of November, only comparable to the figure at the peak on November 2021. This could be because distrust in unregulated centralized exchanges has redirected users' attention to self-custody solutions. 
If we attempt to dissect supply and evaluate activity by cohort, we can observe how long-term holders, those with an inactive supply for over five years, have been accumulating Bitcoin. A similar thing happens when you take into account the three-year and the one-year holder cohort. If we see a shorter time span, the 30 and 90-day cohorts, it paints a completely opposite picture, which has been representative of a sell-off following FTX's capitulation. In terms of holder distribution, we can observe an increase in the market share from retail-sized wallets. This can be evaluated from gathering data from addresses with less than 10 Bitcoins or from addresses with more than 10,000, as these represent exchanges or the holdings of tracker certificates, which are regular and convenient avenues that retail investors take. In both cases, the market share of these two types of addresses has increased since the peak in November 2021. The aforementioned factors only reinstate the fact that the crisis has not tampered with the technology and instead has been about fraud, fear, and greed, led by a failure of unregulated centralized parties in the space. With that said, long-term holders are actually huddling their Bitcoins after all. And thank you, Lucia, back to you. Thank you very much for this update, Manuel. That's all for today's show. Thanks for tuning in and please join us again on Monday. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.